Hey, welcome to the Everyday Immunity Podcast, a place where we talk about different ways to boost the immune system naturally each and every day. I'm your host, Alicia Rosati of Rosati Nutrition. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Immunity. Wow, it has been a minute. Um, I won't lie, I've been a little bit MIA. I've just had so much going on and I needed to take some time away to kind of just rest, recharge, focus on what's important, kind of rediscover what's important again. Um, But I'm back now, which is all that matters. So, I mean, I'm glad to be back. I hope you guys are glad to have me back for another episode. Um... But yeah, I'm really excited for today. We're going to be talking about something really, really interesting, Um, something that's a big thing for me with my health, with my loved ones, their health, something that has impacted us all. And this is a really important topic for me as well. Um, I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit before I get into it of just a lot of crap going on. So, you know, social media, we've hear, we've heard that you know, people are getting censored for saying things and with COVID going on, it's like all you see online is things about COVID. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm really tired of it. I'm so sick and tired of it. And that's why I've kind of chosen to talk about things that are still important to people's health, but not necessarily revolving around COVID. Or so I thought, um, until the social media fact checkers and things attacked me. So (laughs) I had made a post. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you would have already seen something of what we're talking about today. Um, And I made a post of what is acute versus chronic inflammation. Now, inflammation, as we're going to talk about, can be involved in so many different factors of health, of diseases, of things. Um, Nothing that necessarily has to do with COVID. You know, inflammation has been around long before COVID ever existed. Um, Yet, because I was talking about the immune system, I got a COVID little fact check tag tab thing um and my post was pretty much shadow banned because you know when you look at the insights and the metrics you can see how many accounts your post was um, shown to and things like that and the numbers just plummeted they just dropped compared to my other posts why because i was talking about the immune system to me that really doesn't sit well so i've had another little revelation about social media and you know my dislike for social media just keeps growing and growing. Um, I am still going to be on social media for you guys. Obviously, I'm not going to let that get me down too much and I'm still going to be posting and sharing my knowledge and things like that. But I I just needed this time away to kind of reevaluate and think, how do I really want to get my message out there? Do I want to play games with the Instagram and Facebook algorithms and the rules and ever-changing, you know, trigger words and all this stuff? Not really. I don't have the interest or the energy for that. So I really want to, you know, pump the brakes on social media a little bit and focus more on my newsletter, focus more on my podcast with you guys, um, focus more on that kind of stuff. So I'm here, I'm back, I'm recharged, I'm re-energized. I've found my passion for it again, which is awesome. And I think there's no shame in admitting that. Um, 
One final thing I do want to mention, you guys, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter on my website, rosatinutrition.ca. Um, I really, again, with the social media thing, I kind of fell into spending all of my time perfecting my Instagram and it just blew up in my face. So I've been really, really quiet on my newsletter lately, but I'm coming back stronger than ever on my newsletter. I promise you that. Um, so please, please, please sign up for that. There's a lot of goodies coming out soon, a lot of fun info. So go ahead and sign up for that. It's on the homepage. Now I've babbled enough about non-important things. So let's get into today's topic, which is why you guys are here. Let's talk about inflammation. What is inflammation? What kinds of inflammation are there? Why do we give a crap about inflammation and how do we avoid it? Should we avoid inflammation? So let's talk about it. So first things first, we have two kinds of inflammation. We have acute and we have chronic inflammation. Now inflammation itself is a response from the immune system that, you know, something is happening in our body and our immune system, which serves to protect us and keep us safe, it's responding to that. It's reacting to that. Now, acute versus chronic, there are some differences there. Acute inflammation is basically just short a short-term response to an immediate trauma, injury, invading pathogen. So think, you know, if you cut your arm open or if you get a splinter or if you have a cold or a flu and you have a low-grade fever. Those are all examples of acute inflammation and your immune system at work in the short term because of a short-term immediate injury, invading pathogen, whatever it may be. This type of inflammation is actually helpful to you. This is what keeps you healthy. Um, This is what fights off foreign invaders. This is what cleans up any damaged tissue, damaged cells, and keeps you, you know, keeps you healthy and keeps you living well. The other kind of inflammation is called chronic inflammation, and this is where things get a little more tricky. So chronic inflammation just means a long-term immune response, again, to something that is attacking your body. Not always, though. So what it's supposed to be is, you know, if you have a um, chronic infection, let's say the Epstein-Barr virus, which I've had, I have still, I guess, um, the Lyme disease bacteria, things like that. Those are chronic infections that your body is always trying to fight off. But then we also have things or instances where your body is mistakenly attacking itself and that's called autoimmune disease. And that's when, you know, it's constantly fighting itself. It's a chronic fight um, because it's long-term. However, it's attacking itself. So maybe it shouldn't be doing that. Um, So these are all examples of chronic inflammation, and this is harmful because just how acute inflammation comes in and cleans up damaged and dead cells and tissue, chronic inflammation actually causes that damage over a period of time. And oftentimes, it's, it's called silent inflammation because a lot of times we can't see it. Now, this brings me to my next point. One of the main differences between chronic and acute, um, other than, you know, the duration of time is and and the other than the fact that one is harmful and one is helpful is the symptoms so i have my notes here so there's four symptoms um associated with acute inflammation that is it's called the classical response so we have heat swelling redness pain again think of if you got a cut got a paper cut let's say there may be some heat there may be some swelling um there usually is some redness and there 
oftentimes is some pain. So those are all four criteria of the classical response associated with acute inflammation. Now, chronic inflammation usually doesn't experience any of these. You may experience um, maybe pain or swelling or redness if you're getting a flare-up. So for example, an autoimmune condition like um, psoriasis, which is like those red splotchy forms all over your body. They're red, they're swollen, they may be painful, and they may have some heat. That's when you have an acute flare-up. Again, it's acute. However, the condition itself is a chronic condition and it's caused by chronic inflammation. So I hope you guys are kind of understanding the differentiation between the two. Now, silent inflammation is, again, chronic inflammation, the bad guy. Um, It is linked to pretty much every single chronic disease. Every single chronic disease. So that's things like type 2 diabetes. That's things like cancer, things like Alzheimer's. Um, things like cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, and even allergies. So allergies are chronic. They're, you know, you may get an acute flare-up when you have your symptoms. However, if you're chronically exposed to pollens and things like that, they keep coming back. It's considered a chronic condition, um, chronic inflammation. So now moving on, what even causes chronic inflammation because like we've mentioned acute inflammation is kind of like the good guy and it can be pretty helpful so in this episode we're going to be focusing on chronic inflammation but before we talk about what causes this i want to talk about um, how we detect these levels of inflammation because this is really important so one question i get asked is you know how do you know you have silent inflammation or chronic inflammation if it's silent if it doesn't have the four symptoms of the classical response So there's many inflammatory markers that we have that doctors check for and things like that, but the most common one and arguably the the most um, accurate one is something called CRP or C-reactive protein. Now, aside from the immune system, you have another system in your body called the complement system. The complement system works with the immune system, but basically it's it's just a bunch of proteins that your body secretes in response to certain things without getting too in-depth into it. Um, but C-reactive protein is a protein that binds to dead or damaged cells and activates the complement system. So if you have cardiovascular damage, you usually have really high levels of CRP because your body has created that protein in response to the damage in your cardiovascular system and and that in itself is causing inflammation so when you have high levels of c-reactive protein that means you have high levels of inflammation in your body which usually means it's causing a lot of damage in your body so this is what doctors look for especially if they are going to diagnose you with an autoimmune condition Um, this is pretty much usually the first test that you'll get and like i said it's um, crp is released in response to damage so now what now that I've kind of gone over, you know, the main marker that doctors and, and people look for, let's talk about what causes chronic inflammation and you'll see why I talked about CRP first. So there are unfortunately a lot of different factors that can affect how much inflammation we have, how predisposed we are to chronic inflammation, what causes it, all that stuff. The first one that I really want to talk about, which is arguably the most important, is diet. Diet is at the root of everything. There is so much weight to the old saying, you are what you eat. It is so true. If I eat a lot of broccoli, 
which I do, does that literally mean that I am a piece of broccoli? No, but it means that my liver and my detoxification processes are probably working okay because I'm getting a lot of detoxifying properties. If you guys listen to my detoxification episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the brassica family, which includes broccoli. So diet, let's talk about that specifically. Many foods that we eat are pro-inflammatory. So think junk food, think fried food, think fast food, processed food, all that kind of crap. The stuff that we usually keep in our pantry, like cookies, crackers, um, the stuff that you pick up when you're in a hurry, you know, McDonald's, A&W, some french fries, burgers, things like that. All that stuff is very, very inflammatory. And unfortunately, that stuff is all incorporated in the standard American diet, which is literally acronymed as SAD, S-A-D for short. Ironic? Maybe, maybe not. So um, diets rich in these foods, the processed fried fatty foods, have been linked to insulin resistance, which can lead to type 2 diabetes. Um, And insulin resistance usually parallels CRP levels. Remember, I just explained what CRP, C-reactive protein is. So usually if you have a high level of insulin resistance, that's usually a good indication that you probably have high levels of C-reactive protein, meaning you probably have high levels of inflammation, meaning you probably have high levels of cellular and tissue damage going on in your body. So that's the first one. Um, Another dietary factor that we should focus on is our omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. I'm sure you guys have heard all about the omegas, you know, eat your fish and things like that. Um, But let's dive in a little deeper. So there's two, there are more omegas, but the two that we mostly focus on are omega-3 and omega-6. Both are good for you. We definitely do need both. However, we need them in a certain balance. Now, when that balance is thrown off, that can again, cause a lot of inflammation and damage in the system. So when we look at omega-6 to omega-3, we want a ratio, an ideal ratio of anywhere from 3 to 1 to 1 to 1. Again, that's 6 to 3. We want 3 to 1 to 1 to 1. Those, that's amazing. But in North America with the standard American diet, we usually see omega-6 to omega-3 ratios of 15 to one or 20 to one, anywhere between there. That, guys, that that means we're getting way more omega-6 than omega-3s and that's throwing our ratio off. So that is, that in itself is very, very pro-inflammatory. Again, causing a lot of that low-grade, chronic, silent inflammation that is attacking our healthy cells and our healthy tissue in our body. Another factor that can really increase our levels of inflammation in the body is drug overuse. I'm talking about antibiotics and especially over-the-counter medications. So I'm, you, I'm sure you guys maybe have heard of the term NSAIDs, N-S-A-I-D-S, and these stand for non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. These guys are terrible for you. Things like Aleve. So Aleve works because it is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So, you know, if you have pain, it goes to the site and it lowers that inflammation, um, which, you know, reduces your pain. It's opposite of something like Tylenol, which just goes to your brain and blocks your pain receptor. So that's how they're different. Tylenol is not an NSAID, whereas something like Aleve is. 
So it's kind of ironic that a leave and overuse of a leave can cause chronic inflammation when it's an anti-inflammatory, right? But when we abuse these and use these and eat them or, or take them without food or take them in too short of a window back to back, you know, that can cause um, a lot of things like stomach ulcers, intestinal ulcers. I actually had listened to another podcast. Um, I believe it was the Darren Aline show. Great podcast if you guys are looking for another one. I love him. He, in one of his Fatal Conveniences episodes, he was talking about NSAIDs and some hospital, like they looked at their report and the number of um, injuries that people were coming in with related to NSAID use just like skyrocketed. It's it's crazy. So these things are definitely linked to um, inflammatory issues and conditions and things like ulcers. So use them very, very sparingly if you absolutely must. You know, if you're dying in pain, of course, take something. But if you have the slightest pain, the slightest headache, the slightest anything, don't instantly just jump for the NSAID because you'll be paying for it even worse later on. The next factor that really um, can cause low-grade chronic inflammation is gut health. A lot of people don't put enough importance on gut health. Now, if you guys have listened to my other episodes, you'll know that I've mentioned about 70 to 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. Why is that important? Well, of that 70 to 80%, most of that percentage is actually just outside your intestinal lining. So you have the first wall of your intestines, and just outside of that is your immune system just waiting, ready to attack, okay? So that's why arguably our gut is like the most important part of the body. Now, what happens when we're stressed, when we're not eating the correct foods, when we're overusing drugs um, like NSAIDs, when we're doing these things, it compromises the integrity of the intestinal lining, meaning it becomes more permeable. Food and toxins and things can easily float through the intestinal wall and get to where they're not supposed to be, which is where that immune wall is. Now, your immune system is always on high alert, and when it sees things that may be harmless, you know, like food particles coming through the intestinal wall when they're not supposed to be there, your immune system instantly is triggered. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy's not supposed to be here. This guy's a foreign invader. This guy, we got to get rid of this guy. So it goes on high alert. And what happens is that triggers inflammation. Remember, inflammation is a normal response to something, to a change in something that shouldn't be there. It's a foreign invader, a pathogen, right? So our immune system is kicked into high gear, causing inflammation, which may cause symptoms similar to IBS, cramping, upset stomach, diarrhea, constipation. That can be because of a compromised intestinal wall. So we really want to make sure that our gut health is kept in check. It's a priority to make sure that foods and things are not passing through our intestinal wall. And I'll talk a little bit more about how we do that later on. Um, another factor, I told you guys, there's a ton of factors. <laughs> another factor is environmental toxins. Now, um, chronic exposure to environmental toxins can be really, really bad for your inflammation levels um, because they can be really inflammatory. So things like pesticides, aerosols, paint fumes, candles, things like that. So those things that smell really good but are usually synthetic, like the wall plug-ins, candles, things like that, terrible for you. 
so bad for you. They can cause skin irritation, nasal irritation, inflammation in the body, all of that. And again, you guys, if you listen to my detoxification episodes, you'll know my analogy of the conveyor belt or the sandbag chain. We have phase one detoxification. People usually don't have an issue with that. Toxins are free floating through, getting metabolized, no problem. Once we hit phase two, that's where it gets really sluggish because our liver is so overloaded with toxins, bang, hits a wall and now your toxins are free floating through your body. Again, that triggers the immune system. Whoa, something is here that shouldn't be here. High alert, red alert, everybody kick into high gear. That causes a lot of inflammation, which is why we really want to, you know, focus on liver health, focus on gut health, make sure that we're not being overly exposed to these environmental toxins whenever possible. And finally, the last one that I'm going to talk about is um, infections, bacterial, viral, fungal infections. So long-term things like I've mentioned, um, like the Epstein-Barr virus or the bacterium um, that causes Lyme disease, which is Borrelia burgdorferi. I really want to know how these guys name these things. This, (laughs) so those are just a couple of examples, you know, um, of things that cause chronic infections. Now, it's hard for your body to get rid of them, so your body is constantly attacking these pathogens because... It's always free-floating through your body and your body knows it's not supposed to be there. So those are just some examples of things that cause chronic inflammation. And now I've told you all the negative, scary stuff of what causes it and and all these things. Um, So what do we do to reduce inflammation? And if we have inflammation, you know, reduce that and reduce the risk of ever getting that chronic inflammation. Um, Oh, and I did also want to mention that genetics do also play a factor in your inflammation levels. You may be predisposed to an autoimmune condition. You may be predisposed to higher levels of C-reactive protein. Um, So the best way to know that is to get genetically tested. Um, I have that on my website. If you guys are interested, I can get you 10% off of a 23andMe kit. And then we can go over the specifics further than what 23andMe will tell you. Um, Okay, so back to this. How do we reduce inflammation? One, follow the Mediterranean diet or as close to it as possible. The Mediterranean diet, many experts have said, is probably the best diet in the world. Um, It's very high in omega-3s. It's very high in anti-inflammatory foods. It's rich in fruits and vegetables, um, very low in like inflammatory meats and dairies and things. You can have them, but smaller amounts, way less than the North American diet. Um, So follow the Mediterranean diet. It's great. It's delicious. You're not missing out on anything. So good for you. Another thing is get enough healthy omega-3s. So that includes eating fatty fish like salmon and tuna, eat flax seeds, chia seeds, walnuts. These foods, again, will help balance that omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. You also want to reduce intake of meat and dairy and increase your consumption of fish, again, to balance out that 6 to 3 ratio. Um, But when you do eat meat and dairy, please make sure they're of great quality. Don't get the factory farms crap, the, the stuff that's injected with hormones and antibiotics and all that stuff. Get the organic, locally raised meat. I know it's probably way more expensive or a little more expensive depending on your area, but it is so worth it, you guys. Another one is cook with high quality oils. 
So you want to cook with oils with a high smoke point like avocado oil. Never ever ever cook with an oil above its smoke point. I have a post on that on my Instagram um, and it includes things like coconut oil, avocado oil, ghee, ghee, I think it's ghee, things like that. Um, things like, yeah, make sure you go check out that post. Um, you also want to make sure you're using extra virgin olive oil, but use that raw. Don't cook it and do not cook it over medium heat or so. Um, you want to eliminate margarine and hydrogenated oils from your diet. Use full fat things like butter, um, ghee. Those are great for you. You want to get some physical activity, but be careful with what kind of physical activity you're getting. So regular moderate exercise has been shown to reduce levels of silent inflammation, whereas prolonged high intensity training can actually cause or increase that silent inflammation. So there's nothing wrong with going hard at the gym or going hard outside, um, I guess during a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but you want to make sure that if you're going high intensity, you're doing it in short intervals. You're not prolonging that, pushing yourself to, you know, complete, complete failure. You want to just be moderate with your exercise. Another factor, um, you want to fix your gut. Remember I was talking about the importance of gut health? So there's a couple different ways to do that. And it's pretty much the IBS protocol, um, or what I did mostly to fix my gut when I had IBS. So you want to eat healthy, you want to reduce your intake of irritating foods, you want to take a good quality probiotic. Uh, you also want to increase consumption of collagen, whether that comes from bone broth or the foods you're eating or a good quality um, collagen supplement. I love the Organica one. If you guys shoot me a message, I can send you a recommendation for it. I do sell it on my Fullscript site and I would definitely appreciate that. Um, you also want to consider supplementing with aloe vera juice if you are experiencing IBS symptoms like diarrhea, constipation, stomach cramping. Aloe vera juice is fantastic for healing your gut. Um, and in itself, it is also anti-inflammatory, which is awesome. So it will heal your gut, but it's also just anti-inflammatory itself. Another thing, you want to eat foods high in flavonoids. So these are, flavonoids are a phytonutrient, um, basically just meaning it's a plant nutrient. And that's in things like spinach, blueberries, red cabbage, onions, kale, parsley, and citrus fruits. Flavonoids are great for you. And then you also want to add um, pineapple and papaya into your diet. So pineapple contains an anti-inflammatory compound called bromelain and papaya contains papain. Both are great anti-inflammatories. Um, and then finally, if you really are experiencing a lot of inflammation, please talk to a practitioner before you incorporate anything, but maybe consider taking some other anti-inflammatory herbs. These can be really potent. So things like bilberry, boswellia, turmeric, uh, cayenne, devil's claw, echinacea, ginger, golden seal, red clover, stinging nettle, white willow bark, and yucca. So turmeric is generally safe for most people to take. It's a cooking spice, but always just double check with, you know, what, um, if you're taking any other supplements, if you're taking any pharmaceutical drugs, if you're taking antibiotics, if you're on any other specific diet, you know, just, just check with a practitioner beforehand before you make any changes. You can message me if you want to double check anything. Um, and fun fact, stinging nettle. So 
it's actually funny. I was at um, my boyfriend's parents' house this weekend and they have their chickens and we were trying to catch the chickens and <laughs> um, they got into a bushy area and there was stinging nettle in there and a couple people got stung by the nettles. And, you know, we were all freaking out thinking, is it something like poison ivy? And I'm like, no, 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 guys, this is medicine. We're good. So it will sting you initially because it has these little stinging hairs on like the stem area. Um, but you can make tea out of it. So you can get the leaves that don't have any of those stinging hairs. You steep it in some water or in some tea, and it's actually very effective at reducing seasonal allergies. So that's another little fun tip to keep in mind. Um, but there we go. There we have it. I threw a lot of information at you guys, but hopefully now you will be able to differentiate between acute inflammation, chronic inflammation, what causes chronic inflammation, why it's bad for you, um, you know, how we can reduce it or reduce our risk, reduce our risk of developing it. Um, so yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm glad that I was able to put this information out here on my podcast, which I know is not being censored. And I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for being here, for supporting my podcast. Um, if you're here on YouTube, thank you so much for supporting my YouTube. I really want to put more emphasis on the podcast and, like I said, things that are not censored, um, you know, to heck with big social media accounts and things like that. Um, well, not accounts, but platforms, I should say. Um, you know, forget Instagram and its algorithms, Facebook and its algorithms, all the games and all the trigger words and the scary words that you can't use in your posts and, you know, I can't get my information out because I mentioned this and forget all of that. I don't have the time nor the energy and you guys deserve more than a cookie cutter post on social media. You guys deserve the truth and when I got into this field and got into started my business, I said that I started it because I wanted to help people be healthy and I wanted to share the knowledge that I had. I wanted to get out the information that was being hidden, that was being censored and, you know, stomped on. So here I am, maybe jeopardizing my entire career. Um, but thank you guys so much, seriously, for being here, for listening to the episode and continuing to encourage me. I love when you guys message me and um, yeah, I'm going to stop babbling now. <laughs> Always message me if you guys would like to discuss anything in these episodes or if you have a topic request, but until then, I will talk to you guys later. Bye.